So while I was sleeping off a gnarly cold, mm-hmm. you asked what people's favourite emojis were. See, this is the thing. is like the ones, there are some that immediately spring to mind for me, right? Like I like the crying with laughter one because it's very evocative. You know, I know when to use it. Mm-hmm. I like the dead one for the same reason. I like the one with the, like the sentimental smile welling up with tears. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, that one's nice. Yeah, the one where it's like, mm, yeah, that one's quite sweet. Um, Christine got in touch to say her favourite is the little penguin, which I find interesting because I don't think I've ever used it. But I I enjoy the fact that I can now think of Christine as just Jack and the penguin in there every so often. Yeah, I tell you what, one got a lot of um coverage on my phone. Mm while Barbie Mania was in its throes, is the one painting the nails. Oh, yeah. I always do the painting nails. Yeah. You're a big fan of that one. I've noticed I'm that. a big fan of painting nails because yeah. I don't know if you know, but if you Google drama queen, <laughs> did you mean Imogen Wells, comes up as a suggested search option. My personal favourite is the wacky, wacky face emoji. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like cross-eyed know. and yeah. it's got its tongue out and yeah, it's like you do hit like on the one. side like, yeah, oh, quirky. This is, this is, <laughs> let me tell you, newsable listeners, that is 100% true. Emo does like that emoji. Yeah. Thank you for that. No eggplants and no peaches. So look at that. Very G-rated. Well Thank done. Uh, anyway, let's get to the show. Kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. If it feels like everyone you know is leaving New Zealand and moving overseas, the latest immigration stats show you're absolutely correct. So we're digging into them. Also, we've all got plenty of junk lying around. And some of it might actually be worth cold, hard cash to someone out there. But how do you actually go about selling it? Trade Me's Millie Sylvester's here with some top tips. Australia plays England in the World Cup semi-final tonight, so what's it been like having women's football dominate the discourse in that sports-mad country? And finally, it's the talk of the town. How many MPs do their own grocery shop? We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. Are you thinking about possibly heading offshore? Well, if so, you're not alone, and the latest immigration stats prove that more and more of us are jumping ship. In fact, we saw the biggest loss of Kiwi citizens in a decade, nearly 35,000 people in the year to June, and there are predictions that that number's just going to keep on rising. But... We've also seen an increase in the number of people arriving to live here, around 120,000. So are we emptying out or filling up? Or both? Staff reporter Jed Cairns here to talk us through it all. Kia ora, Jed. Kia ora. Jed, are these numbers good news or bad news? I mean, they're good news in as much as it's good that we can still attract people. And for a lot of the new arrivals, I don't doubt it's very good news. For those who are already here, it's a bit more of a mixed bag. Uh, Lots of new arrivals push rent up. They reduce people's ability to negotiate for higher wages because they're competing with more people. That can obviously be a problem in a cost of living crisis. Uh, On the flip side, it does reduce wage inflation. So those companies don't have to pay people as much, reduces the overall inflation. So that might mean the interest rates don't have to stay as high for as long. These numbers, are they a sign that we are getting back to a pre-COVID equilibrium in terms of arrivals and departures? They're certainly a sign that we're getting back to pre-COVID 
net migration influxes. Um, we had 86,600 people roughly arrive in the year to the end of June, which is pretty close to the record of 91,700, which was seen back in March 2020. So we're only about 5,000 short of that uh, all-time high. Whether or not it's balanced out, I think we've got a, a lot more people leaving than we previously did. The number of people leaving has skyrocketed, right? Is it, but is it not entirely out of the question to put that number down to the fact that COVID kept so many of us here in New Zealand? No, no, I think that that wave has actually gone. Uh, those people who wanted to go off on their OE, uh, they've left the young professionals who will have gained their professional qualification and want to test themselves on the world stage. They've actually uh, also departed seemingly quite a while ago. I was discussing this yesterday with um, Brad Gatehouse at Tribe, uh, a big recruitment agency here. And he said the people who are leaving now are essentially leaving because of the money, not because they've been cooped up. And when it comes to money, you know, you've got 20 to 25% higher wages in Australia. Employer contributions to your Kiwi savers are at 10, about to be 11%, whereas here it's three. So I think we can't really blame it on COVID anymore. So what do we know then about the people who are coming here? Well, we know where they're coming from. They're primarily coming from India, the Philippines, China, South Africa, and Fiji. And most economists will also argue that usually they're in the kind of low-skilled to medium-skilled band. Mm. By comparison, those who usually leave are usually very high-skilled workers. Mm. MB does maintain a list of the occupations that people are arriving with if their visa requires a, an occupation to be listed. Topping the list are the likes of building laborers, carpenters, cooks, chefs, truck drivers, got a lot of personal care assistance. So they are addressing a lot of those skills shortages. So that, that's that's the insights we have. We, we don't know so much about the people who are departing because we made the decision to get rid of departure cards. What are the potential economic repercussions here when it comes to this number of people arriving, but then also that number of people leaving? It's a really tricky one to answer um, because if we don't build houses fast enough and there's no reason to suggest, suggest we will, nothing in any of the party's uh, election promises suggests we will keep up, which will mean more Kiwis are spending more on rent or their house payments. Uh, and that can mean less money spent elsewhere. You know, that coffee that you treat yourself to uh, every day, you might stop spending that and then uh, all of a sudden a barista's out of a job. So on that front, it can be a little bit of an economic drain. On the flip side, uh, if you can fill worker gaps. Uh, companies can grow. They can theoretically expand quicker, create more jobs. They can expand into new areas if we're able to fill skill sets we don't have with new arrivals. So on that front, it can be a boon. Jed Can, thank you so much for your time. We've had some cost of living election promises from political parties across the board lately because, unsurprisingly, it seems to be the biggest issue facing New Zealanders right now. But if you're not satisfied with these potential policies and you're after a bit of extra cash in your back pocket sooner rather than later, a report out from Trade Me has found three out of four of us, 75%, have items in our homes that we could sell and you'd be surprised at how many items they reckon we could all make some money off. So we've got Millie Sylvester from Trade Me on the line now to chat a bit more about this. Kia ora. Kia ora. So uh, I'm trying to think about myself and whether I have anything that anybody would want. And I would say no, probably not. Uh, however, your report suggests the opposite. Uh, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, it was really interesting. So we run this report every year and our latest findings found that Every Kiwi has about $1,400 of stuff that's unused, 
unwanted, you know, lying in wardrobes and garages around the country that they could turn into cold, hard cash. And I think we could all use with an extra $1,400 in our back pocket right now. What sort of items should people be suddenly turning their eyes towards? So the most common items we found that Kiwi have are clothing, shoes and accessories. So we found, yeah, Kiwi have seven clothing accessories or shoes. We also found they have about four books, CDs or DVDs that are worth a couple of bucks. And then there's also about three home and living pieces. So whether that's an old chair, a couch or, you know, a lamp that's lying around that, you know, is all worth money. CDs and DVDs, gee, that's throwback, isn't it? Millie, let's talk about how best to sell those 21 items because I guess there is a difference between having 1400 bucks worth of stuff and actually selling 1400 bucks worth of stuff. Yeah, there are five key tips that we have when you are selling your stuff on TradeMe, and I think following these can really, really help you get the best bang for your buck. The first one is selling for the season. So this one applies particularly to clothing. If you think about it, you know, probably a a bikini or some shorts aren't going to sell very well in August. The second thing is prepping your items. The number of photos I have seen of wrinkly t-shirts or, you know, dirty shoes that just need like a little bit of a wipe down, that can go a long way for making those items look absolutely tip top. The third is the title and the description. Now, it seems really straightforward, but people do glaze over this a little bit where they'll just put, you know, medium t-shirt rather than saying that it's a Nike blue t-shirt or kind of going into some more of those descriptors is always really key. The fourth is timing. Now this is a really good little trade me hack. Our busiest Mm. time of day is 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. on a weekday, Monday through Thursday usually. So if you want your auction to close at the best possible time to get a bidding war, that is when you want the auction to close. And then lastly, pricing an item can be super hard, right? You might think it's worth a whole lot more or actually a whole lot less than what the market's willing to pay. So a $1 reserve is a really, really good way of getting a whole lot of interest straight out the gate and letting the market decide what it's worth. I didn't even think about selling things for the season. Yeah. Millie Sylvester, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Aussie vs England chat is coming up next, but if you're enjoying what you're hearing, do chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. It really helps other people to find us as well. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about that gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. No, that, I what, think Chris? That it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy in there. That sits with you perfectly that's fine. What that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. Tonight, that's my Love Island voice, am I? <laughs> the Australian Matildas will meet the English Lionesses in the semi-final of the World Cup, and I, for one, am fair dinkum Aussie for the next 24 Ooh. hours. I'm stockpiling Vegemite. I'm going to order 240 cans of Victoria Bitter. Try and stop me, I dare you. Why don't we just reduce that number of VB, and, and then I'll, I'll let you get away with it. But anyway, it's been an absolutely wild ride for the Aussies, culminating in the most incredible penalty shootout I believe anyone's ever seen against France in the quarterfinals. 
And it's also united the country. That match was the most watched Australian sports event since Cathy Freeman won the Olympic 400 metre race 22 years ago. So in a country where so many sports codes are dueling for supremacy, what is it like having women's football dominating the discourse? Well, joining us now is Alison Crozier, a sports and physiology expert at the University of South Australia. She's both Canadian and Australian, divided loyalties earlier on in the tournament. (laughs) Uh, Alison, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Could you in your wildest dreams have seen Australia making the semi-final at the outset of this tournament? With the... World Cup being held on Australian soil and New Zealand, but on Australian soil and and that kind of potential for that home ground advantage. Definitely thought it was a possibility. Definitely. What's the energy like in the country at the moment? It's what everyone's talking about. Like, where were you when you watched that? Um, Saturday night specifically. So, yeah, there's definitely electricity in the air and discussions all the time about where you were when you were watching it, but where are you going to be for the semifinals as well? Because Australia is a sport-mad country, right? League, AFL, cricket, rugby union, all battling for the same oxygen. So is it cool to see the country so excited about women's football? It definitely is really exciting to see even men are just watching women's football And it's dominating the news, like front page news on Sunday was all women's football, which you don't see very often. Because I think this is the thing that you actually study is is the idea of home ground advantage and and how team success can be affected by uh, the, the energy of their supporters. And I'm curious, do you think that the sense of excitement has contributed maybe to the team's success? Yeah, definitely. I think it's one thing to be the most watched sport event, but lots of people are at home doing that. But if you look at the crowds at the actual venues, you know, every game is exceeding and beating a record in terms of the number of people who are there. And majority of them are there to support the Matildas. So it does add to the players in terms of, you know, it gives them that added motivation. Come on, Alison. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. I believe they're going to do it. I'm a New Zealander. I'm risking my passport saying that. I'd love to see the Matillas win, and I think they can do it, but we'll just have to wait to see for the game. Alison Crozier, thank you so much for coming on. Go the Matildas. Uh, have a great time tonight. Thank you. We're going to talk grocery shopping a bit later. If you can guess why, congratulations, you're a political nerd just like us. But we want to know who does most of the grocery shopping in your house. Get in touch on Insta, we're at NewsableNZ, or you can send us an email, newsable at stuff.co.nz. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories, or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to talk... Supermarket shopping. 
Because recently, National MP Sam Uffendale said this in Parliament about how often he goes to the supermarket and also why he goes. I try and do at least once a month. I get out there and take the the, uh, the shopping list off my wife and go out there and fill up the trolley. Not only is it an excellent way to get a bit of publicity with a National Party jacket on my back looking like the everyday man, it gives my wife a break. Now, there were a few people who got a wee bit up in arms about this. So Stuff's political team did what any good political team would do and decided to ask a couple of other MPs of what they made of Uffendale's supermarket situation and whether they also do grocery shopping to give their partners a break. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's giving me a break. I think, no, no, we, we shared shopping. It's, uh, it's all uh, partnership stuff. And, uh, I just think it was a very genuine comment by him to say that this is the way that he supports his wife, in recognition of the fact that, uh, that, you know, she's working hard. Now, that was Minister Willie Jackson and Nationals Mark Mitchell there. Uffendale himself was also asked by the staff team if he had anything further to say or add. I work 80-odd hours a week and just don't get to be at home as much. I talk to my wife. I mean, I, I, she's given me a bit of stick about it and, and we've had that talk. This is probably one where uh, we want to keep our commentary short and sweet. So uh, we'll let people mm. maybe speak for themselves there. And uh, Do you do most of the grocery shopping in your household, though? I don't do most of the grocery shopping. I do most of the cooking. Ah, uh, yeah. So it's like a, a split of duties, as it were. How about you? We, we like cooking together, mm-hmm. but we also take turns flying solo in the kitchen. However, the supermarket is my favourite shop. Really? I happily go to the supermarket by myself. Sometimes I'll, I'll convince Ted to join me. But yeah, I can spend hours in that place. Um, anyway, that is, uh, that is usable for today, but it, uh, it's also a, a temporary goodbye for Imogen Wells, isn't it? I'm going on holiday. She's going on holiday. I'm going on holiday. I'm going on holiday for a week, everyone. Uh, don't miss me too much. Phone me if anything big happens. I, I will. Don't, don't you worry. Yeah, if McNulty, I don't know, starts talking. Picks the winner of the World Cup. <laughs> uh, but I will miss everyone dearly. I will, of course, miss you, Emil. Uh, but, I mean, when I'm sipping a cocktail. Yeah, you won't miss me that much. But uh, it's nice of you to say that, and uh, we'll miss you a lot as well. But um, have a great time, and we'll catch you in a week's time. So Jess, who does the headlines for us, is going to be sitting in for you. So uh, she'll be here from tomorrow. I'm Emil Donovan. And I'm Imogen Wells. I'll catch you next week. If you like this podcast, please support our work visit stuff.co.nz support.